Well, let's look at Matthew 6, verse 25 this morning. Uh, we, we're, uh, we've been in a series, we were in a series called Honoring God uh, in our finances, with our finances, and um, at the end of last year, and then we kind of got into Christmas time, and then we're turning into the new year, and so we're kind of hooking up with that. We weren't done with that. We're hooking up with where we were, and uh, we'll continue on. Today, let's look at Matthew 6, verse 25. If you missed those earlier messages, they're available on the website, they're available on YouTube, they're available uh, on our podcast, on Facebook. You can go back and listen to them or watch them. Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? This is so appropriate. It's appropriate all the time because it's the Word of God. But in the day and age we live in, this is so uh, just pertinent to the world. The world is anxious. The world is worried. You know, I just saw something that I won't mention, you know, what it was, but they are talking about they're kind of rebranding some things and bringing it up to the 21st century and, and where the culture is. And one of the things they said was, you know, this generation is more anxious. So, you know, we have one of our characters. We're just going to let them kind of be more anxious, give in to, you know, they're always kind of that, that type of character. But they're going to be more anxious and just to identify with this generation. Okay. That's just saying we're just going to give in and yield right to the wrong thing. And the world just, do you realize the world says uh, they will fight you on being anxious? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you say you don't, you don't have to be anxious, you can be positive, they will say, they will get in your face and say, oh no, you can't help it. True. They'll say, oh no, no, that, you, can't, you can't talk like that because it's just, it's a, it's a state of being and people just can't help it. And so what does that mean? Just got to live like that, just going to yield to it. Don't realize that, I mean, Jesus, he's saying, don't do it. So is our culture right or is Jesus right? Always. <laughs> Always. When the culture says one thing, people say, we just got to go with the culture. <laughs> Jesus didn't go with the culture. Now, I'm not saying don't be sensitive to the culture. You want to reach people, but don't say the culture's right. We're just going to give up the word and we're going to go toward culture. No, you understand where people are coming from. That's where culture comes in. You understand where their starting point is. You want to reach them. You don't want to just fly in their face to get to them. But then you don't go, oh, yeah, you're right. No, you want to bring them to the truth. Where are they so you can bring them this way, not go and agree with them? Because that's you know, where are we going to end up? Well, the culture's here, so we'll just go there. Well, guess what? The culture keeps moving. So what, then you end up, here's the Word of God, and here's the culture. Well, there's a lot of that in the world, right? So we shouldn't look at uh, truth and, and judge it by culture. We shouldn't look at the, the truth and say, well, nobody else in the world believes that. Number one, that's not true, nobody. But, you know, all these, it's not what I see in the world. Well, you should expect that. It was true in Jesus' aid, in, in His day, it's true now. So he's saying, don't worry. Well, if he told us not to worry, I guess we, can, we don't have to worry. Verse 28 says, so why, why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So he's talking about birds being taken care of. He says, you're more valuable than birds. He says, why are you worrying about clothing? Consider the lilies. They're clothed better than you are. Uh, they're, they're clothed better than Solomon was. They're so beautiful. And so verse 31, he's saying, therefore, do not worry. What is there? Therefore, therefore. He's saying, because God takes care of, of those that aren't even as valuable as you. Do we believe that or not? Is God the source? Is God the creator? 
Somebody said, well, of course, I mean, yeah, they take care of them, sort of. But what about, and then we bring it into uh, situations that really we're exalting above him. We're saying, yeah, but in the real world. No, no, God is the real world. God created this world. This world we're going to see, this world seems to appear really solid, but there's a spiritual behind it that's much more solid. That's truly real. This will fade away, but that will stand. Verse 31, he says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? You can say, How are we going to pay for this? How am I going to get my bills paid here? How's my mortgage going to get paid? How are my kids going to get taken care of? How are we going to get the car? You, you know, you can bring it into to our world. That's exactly uh, what he's saying here. What, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? What are we going to wear? What are we going to drink? Verse 32, for after all these things, the Gentiles, those that aren't seeking God, these things they seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Well, does he? Does God know you need things? Sometimes we act like he doesn't know that. He's just floating around. It's all spiritual. But I got real world problems to deal with. I got to pay bills. You don't think God knows that? That's what Jesus is saying. He said, all, but the, the Gentiles, the people without God, they're just, they just seek the stuff as if this stuff is the real, the more important. It's real, but it's not the end-all, be-all, and it sure shouldn't be driving our life. Amen. He said, the Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father knows you need all these things. So it's not lost on Him. He knows what you need. And there's a truth in spite of what is going on this earth, there's a truth. God knows we need what we need, and He knows how to take care of it. Amen. Verse 33 then says, Seek first, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So He said, don't worry about the stuff. Don't seek after the stuff. People without God seek after this stuff. Your Father knows you need this stuff, but seek Him and these other things, they'll be added to you. In other words, you'll have what you need. God will take care of you. It takes faith to walk like that. majority of the world is not walking like that. They're saying, it's up to me, and I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. God already said, I've done that for you. Do it my way. Seek me, come after me, and the stuff will be taken care of. You don't go after it. He said very clearly, the world goes after the stuff. Don't be like them. Come after me, and the stuff will come after you. That's what Jesus said. 1 Samuel 2, verse 30. Last part of that, it says, Those who honor me, God, those who honor me, I will honor. Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Those who honor me, those who honor God, he said, he will honor. What does it mean to be honored by the king of kings? Those who despise me, or that means lightly esteemed, that means, eh, don't really put it that high a priority. It says, those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Well, Jesus said, seek me first. You'll have what you need. But you just, eh, yeah, there's God, but then I'm going to do it my way. Well, we're setting ourselves up just to be like the world. And the world is freaking out. The world is always anxious. The world says you have to be anxious. Who wouldn't be anxious? Well, not the one that trusts God. Amen. That's the answer. But the world does not want to hear that. No, you have to be. No, there's this way. Well, because you can't see God. It takes faith. You've got to go after God. You've got to believe Him. As Christians, no government, no company, no organization, no man is our source. God is our source. And He's our Father. We need to be solid in what God has said in His Word concerning finances, not somebody else's opinion. Theory or philosophy. You don't go after any of those things. You go after what God said in His Word. We, we, people will say, well, I have a right to my beliefs. Actually, if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ, you're supposed to believe what the Christ said. You don't have a right to your beliefs. 
as a Christian, as the one that believes God, that you say, I'm following after Him, He's my Lord, then what should we believe? What the Lord said. We don't believe our own stuff. Well, you know, I know what that said, but this is what I believe. No, we say, Lord, what did you say? What does the Bible say? What does your word say? That's what I'm going to believe and that's what I'm going to do because that's, that's, that's what's going to work. If we believe that Jesus is Lord and that God is the king of the universe, then it totally follows that whatever he said is right and I'm going to do that. I don't have to analyze it. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to ponder it. I'm not going to talk it over with 15 people. If he said it, and I believe he is God, and Jesus is my Lord, then it's settled. I'm doing that. Don't matter if, no, if, if people aren't doing it. If people in the world don't act like that. Because we already know. There's a whole lot of people that don't believe God, that don't esteem him. So why would you listen to what they have to say if it's in contradiction to what God says? We know it's wrong. And if Jesus is our Lord, then we're going to follow Him. We're not going to follow what we think. We're not going to follow what somebody else told us. We're not going to follow a fad. We're not going to follow the latest philosophy or the latest approach, latest book, latest video. We're going to follow Him. And we're going to let the Word dictate what uh, we do. Money is supposed to be a byproduct of doing what God has called you to do. It is not an end in itself. That's what we just read. Jesus said, seek God, do what he said, and then you'll have. He didn't say, go after the stuff. Amen. So we, we're just recapping some. We've been talking about different facets of this. Again, if you, didn't, if you didn't hear the earlier messages, go back and listen to them because we are building we, we've, we've already said things in different facets of this. Um, talked about our role and, and supporting the kingdom of God um, and being stewards. There's a lot of natural things that have to do with this. And we've talked about at a high level, you know, of course, we've referred to tithes and offerings. And we've said we'll get into that in more detail. And we're going to spend some time on that today. And, and uh, most likely then we'll spend some time, I believe, I, I mean, there's a lot here. So we're not, we're, we'll, we'll probably... Uh, pick up on this um, next week or in a future week as well. Let's look at Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10. I think we'll come back to this, but I want to read this as we're getting into this. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So this is talking about the tithe, and we're going to spend some time uh, going in some, to some different aspects of this. The tithe is 10%. It literally is what tithe means. It doesn't, it's not another word for gift. It's not, you know, people sometimes say, I, I'm, tithe, I'm tithing to the church. Sometimes they mean just as a, an offering or a gift or something like it's just a gift. Like another, it doesn't matter what the amount is. They call it a tithe. No, tithe actually means 10%. If you a tithe, if you say I tithe, that means literally 10%. Then anything above a tithe is, is considered an offering. The tithe is off of, and we'll cover this more, is off of all our increase. If there is no income, then there is no, and there's no profit, then, then there is nothing to tithe. And any giving is an offering. The tithe is proportional. It's 10%. It's the same percentage regardless of the size of the income. Ten cents out of every dollar, one dollar out of every ten, a thousand out of every ten thousand, a hundred thousand out of every million. A tithe is just a percentage. So as we're talking about giving and uh, giving tithes and offerings, 
we, we, we ought to set this as the context. Let me... Um, let's look at Deuteronomy 10, verse 14. We'll say some more things in a little bit here, but I want to uh, start here. We need to know that the earth and everything in the earth is God. So we're going to get into the tithe. I want to go back a little bit and, and take, take a step uh, back and look at um, a few scriptures here and then look at some older scriptures of where the tithe uh, was mentioned early in the Bible. Deuteronomy 10 verse 14. It says, Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, and are also the earth with all that is in it. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to who? The Lord. Who owns everything? The Lord. Now, now the Bible calls Satan the God of this world. God gave Adam dominion over this world. He said, you have dominion over everything. Adam bowed his knee to Satan. Adam did what Satan told him to do. He, he fell for uh, his trickery, his lies. And the Bible then says he is the prince, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He says he is the God of this world. It says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So Satan is influencing the world and has control over humanity, those that are not gods. But God owns everything. Satan is, is uh, running out Adam's lease. Adam was given dominion management over the earth, and Satan usurped it. He tricked Adam. But God still owns everything. It's all His. And those that come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan's power is broken over them, and they can act as Adam would have and could have before the fall. They have dominion against Satan has no dominion over them. Satan's power is broken. That's the gospel. Now, Satan will try to convince you he still has power over you. That's a lie. He does have power over the majority of the world, anyone that's not a Christian. And so the world system is influenced by the devil. The way the world does things is influenced by Satan. It's not God's way. It's the God of this world's way. Satan. So you see a lot of stuff that doesn't agree with the Word of God? Of course, because people are following their father. Who is, if they're not born again, is the devil. Don't have time to go into that. Uh, Jesus himself said to the most religious people of the day, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Anyway, that's another thing. People don't like that. That's not politically correct. People want to say, oh, we're all of the sonship of God. No, actually... If you're not born again, you're under the rulership of Satan. That's the gospel. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. The, the earth is who? The, the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness is His. So He owns everything. God owns it. God created it. He owns it. Psalm 50, verse 10 said, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on the thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine all its full, in all its fullness. So God is saying, it's mine. I own it. It all belongs to God to begin with. See, we like to see, no, I own this. Actually, God owns everything, and He, he allows us to be stewards. <laughs> because when you leave the earth, you're not going to own anything of the earth. You don't want it. I want to bring this with me. What? You're going to heaven. You don't want this stuff here. You don't want it. You're not going to take it with you. You might leave it to somebody. But the Bible has a lot to say about that. You, no, you, you, you are just in control of certain things for a little bit, and then what are we going to do with it? What, what are we going to use it? How are we going to use it? Let's look at Genesis 14, verse 17. So going way back into Genesis, 
where the tithe is mentioned. I'll say more about this, but we need to understand the tithe was not implemented under the Mosaic law. It predated it. You say, well, that's under the law. No, actually, it predated the law. And so it postdates the law. It, it is a principle of God. Genesis 14, verse 17, talking about Abram, who became Abraham, says, The king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shava, that is the king's valley, after his return from the de defeat of Kedileomer, and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, son of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. He was the priest, Melchizedek. We'll read more about this in Hebrews. He was the priest of God Most High. See, this was before the law. This wasn't a mosaic. This wasn't, you know, after Aaron. It wasn't a, a priest per the law, this, but he was a priest of Almighty God. Verse 19, And he blessed him, blessed Abram, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe, a tenth of all. So this is the first mention. So Abram tithe to Melchizedek, who is priest of God Most High, before the law was ever instituted. How did he know? Well, this is a side thing. We don't know before that, but it seems to be. I mean, where did Abram just get that? It's not, do you know that Genesis talks about the sons of Adam? You know, the first fight was over offerings, Cain and Abel. They were bringing offerings. They were bringing something to God. Well, how did they know? I, you know, I don't think it's a, far, a stretch to, to when God was bringing up Adam, that he instructed him in some of these things. His sons were doing it. Now you see Abram down the road. He's doing some things. Somehow this was in the earth. And somehow that, that amount was given. Hebrews 7 verse 1 talks about Melchizedek. So looking back, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being translated king of righteousness, that's Melchizedek, or, uh, Melchizedek, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So Melchizedek is a type of Jesus. Verse 4, Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Adam gave a tenth of the spoils. That's what a tithe is. He had income come in for the spoils, and he gave a tenth. Verse 5, and indeed, those who are the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood, now he's talking about in the Levitical priesthood and under the law, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So comparing Melchizedek to Jesus and saying here men receive tithes, but there Jesus or who, who uh, Melchizedek is a type of, receives them. So talking about the Levitical priesthood receiving tithes, but actually they're received in heaven. And it's, and it's referring back to Melchizedek, who, who uh, this occurred before the law was ever implemented. So tithing was already a principle. Let's look at Genesis 28, verse 13. So here we're talking, this is about Jacob. So Abraham had Isaac, and then there was Jacob. So now this is an account when Jacob is going out on his own. Verse 13 says, Behold, 
the Lord stood above it and said, so this, this is when he's out, and then there was Jacob's ladder in, at night, and then this is right after that, uh, or, or referring to that. The Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land, which you, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as of the dust of the earth. You shall sp- uh, spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 15, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Skip down to verse 18. It says, Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put, on his, put at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So notice he's, saying, he's out on his own now. So he saw Abraham had tithe to Melchizedek. Then he had Isaac, now this is his grandson Jacob. And he is out on his own. God said, I'm going to take care of you. And, his, and he says to God, if you take care of me, if you clothe me, if you do, you'll be my God, and I, of all, I'm going to give you a tenth. So this is the principle of the tithe. This was before any of the Mosaic law. But you see the same principle. Well, where, where did Jacob get it? Well, it's not a stretch to think it got passed down from Abraham. Well, what did Abraham get it? Well, you could, it's, it's not illogical to think, you know, at some point it was instructed that this is what you do to God, that it's a principle. They didn't pick 13, 5%, I mean, a tenth. It's a principle of God. So what is the purpose? Well, let's read this first. Look at Leviticus 27, verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30. So we said, everything belongs to God. And the tithe was implemented before there was any law put in place. Now this is, as the laws are being set down, it says... Uh, and of all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Leviticus 27, 32, just a couple verses later, it says, Concerning the tithe of the herd of the flock. So, talking about increase in different ways, whether it's of the land or the flock, or whatever, of whatever passes under the rod, the tenth, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Notice the way it said it. It said, the tithe is the Lord's. It said, it is holy to the Lord's. In in verse 30, it said, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Here it says, the tenth one shall be the Lord's. So God, everything, He owns everything. Now He makes us stewards. We have stewardship of what comes under our hand. And then He says, but a tenth of it, it belongs to God. It belongs to the Lord. In other words, it's not ours. It belongs to Him. It is actually to be given to Him. So what is the purpose of tithing and giving offerings? Being able to be part of God's plan is the reason and purpose for paying our tithes and giving offerings. Let's look at 2 Corinthians, or Chronicles 31 verse 4. And then we'll, we'll say a little bit more about that. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 4. So it's holy to the Lord. The tithe is holy to the Lord. The Bible says it is His. 
Verse 4, moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Notice that. He commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things that were consecrated to the Lord their God, uh, their God they laid in heaps. So they brought the tithe in all these areas. And notice back in verse 4, why? It says, Moreover, he commanded the people who dwell in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. And so then it says they brought the tithe for that purpose. In Malachi 3.10, which we'll read that just that first verse again, and we'll come back to that some more, but what we opened with, it says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Why? So that there may be food in my house. Here in Second um, Chronicles, it said that they might... That to, to support the Levites and the priests that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. So, a, a purpose for why do we tithe and give offerings? We're talking about the tithe specifically. Being able to be part of God's plan is the reason and purpose for paying tithes and giving our offerings. To be part of what God is doing. You see that as it was implemented? You know, in, in, we're reading some, some, uh, some scriptures in the law as it was implemented. That was the purpose. Realizing that we can become a partner with God and carrying out His will will bring great familiar, fulfillment and satisfaction mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it also opens the windows of heaven for an outpouring of material blessings. Which we'll talk about that more. So the purpose of the tithe is to support the work of God on the earth. And we're all called to be part of that. And we saw in Malachi it said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse. Why? That there would be food in my house. Bring the tithe in so that there would be food in my house. Galatians 6, 6 says, Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. So you're talking, we saw it was to support the priests, the Levites, the work of what God is doing. You saw in Abraham, bring it to Melchizedek, he was given unto the priest of God. Why? So that God's work could be established. Galatians 6, 6 in the Amplified Classic says, Let him who receives instruction in the word of God share all good things with his teacher contributing to his support. This is that principle. Is that we all have a part, we've talked about this, all have a part to play. We have a role, and how do you know what your role is? You've got to go to God the Father. And say, Lord, where do I belong? What do you want me to do? But then all of us have the responsibility then to be supporting God's work on the earth and to, to finance what He's doing so that there are, there's a segment that have roles, people that have roles that they're going to devote themselves to, what, to coordinating God's work on the earth and that as we come together as a congregation, that as we bring our resources together, then as a congregation, we can do God's work on the earth and it goes out. We can be a blessing to people. We can share the gospel that people 
individuals that are called so can devote themselves to doing what God has called them to do and that we then can be fed, all of us can be fed in the local body so that then we can be equipped to do what God has called us to do. All of us. It's, it's, it's a, it's a um, whole body working together. Mark 16, 15 said, He said to them, Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the Great Commission. And so part of doing that is God set up, and throughout all the, we see throughout uh, time, to finance the work of the gospel, uh, a major part of that is the tithe. And it's God's way. It didn't, it's not some, something somebody thought up in 1980 or in 2021. It, it's not new. It's a principle of God that He has implemented. And so His ways are right. And so as we bring in the tithe, then, then there are those. See, the world, the world puts value, the world system puts value on, on different things that people do uh, vocationally in the world. And the world system is driven by who? The God of this world. And so there is value placed on certain things that are completely godless. Have you noticed? Lots uh, of, of uh, finances flowing in the direction of things that glorify actually the devil. The world system and the way of valuing is not God's system. And so if we, if we look at things the way the world looks at it, then we'll be duped into believing the lies that they believe and thinking it should be done like that. And we have to know, we have to uh, identify and be on guard for the world's thinking, getting into our thinking as the church. Because we're surrounded by the, devil, the devil's influence in the world's thinking. What God esteems is not what the enemy esteems. In fact, if you know what the enemy, the Satan, what Satan esteems, the enemy esteems, is going to be against God. What he glorifies and lifts up is going to actually be taking people away from God. It's not going to put things uh, in right, uh, the, the, the right value. The world looks at the things of God and says, meh, whatever, if there is a God. But, you know, questions whether or not there's a God, let alone you bring, you, you put your money into the things of God, people are like, oh, what is that? There's got to be something wrong there. People mock and there's a whole, you gotta, we got to watch the thinking that's in the world because people have no problem spending lots and lots of money on completely secular things that are actually devilish, but, but uh, giving to the things of God, people are like, oh, wait, what, what's wrong? Well, who's saying that? Who's influencing the world system? Now, have there been... Uh, misuses of finances in the Christian world? Yes, that gives a black eye and a bad name to the true. But does it do away with the history of God's methods? Does it do away with the Word of God? It doesn't. But see, that's where people will twist it. And any, you watch, I mean, in, the, in, in, in media and, and uh, secular stories... Boy, they just love anything that has to do with the church or Christians in general and money. They will jump on it and misconstrue it and act like there is any church that has any money. That's just somehow wrong. Who would think that? Think about it. 
Who would want Christians in the world to think that the church having money to do the work of God is wrong? The devil. It's deception. You know what, the, what the, he's put and been able to influence people in the world to think that anybody that talks about money at church is somehow greedy and wants money. God talks about money in the Word and has put it throughout history that he, you bring the tithe into the storehouse. That's the truth. But then it'll focus on somebody that did something wrong. And that does not help. It doesn't help in any area. It doesn't help when somebody falls into adultery. It doesn't help when somebody lies and steals or cheats something and, and they're a Christian. The, the secular world will jump on that and say, see, all Christians are hypocrites. <laughs> now, people in general are fallen and need a Savior. It doesn't give us an excuse. We, the Bible says we ought to live holy. We ought to live. Why? So that nobody can say anything bad. We ought to live above reproach so that people can't say, see, see, there's nothing to that. It just gives the devil ammo. Makes it so easy. Makes it so easy to point fingers. But it's hypocritical. Because people have no, no problem spending money in the world on pursuits that don't amount to anything and are actually harmful and godless. The world won't say anything. But you let a church talk about money and have money, somehow there's an issue with that, with godly people doing godly things. That's, that, that's the devil. Because we're supposed to now, you can get into covetousness, and we've talked about this and, and, and may talk about more, but we've emphasized it all along. You don't seek the stuff. You seek God. You seek Him first and His way of doing things and His righteousness. It says the stuff will be added to you. But it does say to seek Him. Now, yeah, you can go and seek the stuff, and the Bible clearly is against that, but it's not against God's people and, the, and the, the body of Christ having everything we need in abundance to do His work because there is no more important work on the earth. If anything should be financed well, it should be the work of God Almighty, not the work of the devil that's going to amount to nothing. That's going to actually lead people away from the truth of God. So there is a truth. There is God's principles in the Word concerning tithing. It is a true principle. We ought to, we, uh, we mentioned this, but the reason why we give, a list, just a bullet point list, why do we give? Why do we bring our tithes and offerings? Number one, we should give because we love God. That's number one. We love Him. Number two, we should give in obedience to the Word. We should give in obedience to the Word. What does the Word say? If the Word doesn't say anything about it and the Word doesn't emphasize anything, then let's do what the Word says. Amen? I, I'm for that. But we need to look at the Word and be truthful about the Word and let the Word guide our lives. And not culture, and not what somebody said, and certainly not what somebody said that is not even a Christian attacking and saying what the Christians should do. Be very careful of that. Somebody that doesn't even believe in God telling you, a Christian, who has made Jesus their Lord, what you should do. That's just completely hypocritical. Don't even believe there's a God, but going to tell you, well, but a Christian, if I were a Christian, this is what Christians should do, and it's always the wrong advice. Number one, bow your knee to God and get saved. Then you'll be able to see clear enough and go by what the Word says. But we are to be obedient to the Word. Whatever the Word says, that's what we should do. Because He's right. Amen. God's right. Number three, we should give as a means to help carry out Christ's great commission. 
We should give as a means to help, to help carry out Christ's great commission, of which we all have an opportunity to be a part in every area. Bring our time, bring our talents, bring our resources, and do what God said so we are part, being in our position. God, I'm doing what I'm called to do. We're all coming up in it, but I'm doing what I'm called to do in the area you called me to do it, and that includes all the parts of that, and my job is not going to be left undone. You know, what, I, what I'm supposed to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act on your word and do it so my position is filled to the best of my ability. Number four, we should give because we want to see people blessed. Why do you want the church to have everything, talking about the church universal and our, church, our local body, why do you want the church to have an abundant supply to do everything? That, that it's called to do. Why do you want people that are focused on doing, uh, on teaching and helping and being a backbone for the church to facilitate the greater doings of the local church and support? Why do we want, we want people that are not? That's what it's talking about, the tithe coming in so there'll be food in his house. We want those we want the church to have everything it needs so that people can be blessed think about your family think about your your loved ones and following god's plan how much is it worth to have a good marriage how many how many dollars is that worth you can't you you can't put a put a price to how much how many dollars is it worth to have uh, a healthy child. How many, how many dollars is it worth to have peace? See, the world will skip over all and say, this is worth something. Well, to come and, and to be able to be built up in the Word and have a, a congregation of believers that believe that will stand by you when you are attacked in life, when your child needs to be healthy and whole, that will stand by you in, in believing the Word of God. That will stand by you to help you through a marriage crisis. What's the value of that? Is that valuable in the, the earth to, to be able to walk in God's plan and have a body uh, of believers that, that is the support system and have the word being preached and having those that are focused on the things of God so that, we, so that the greater body can do what we're called to do? What's the value that we'd put on that? Most of us, when we answer this question, we say, well, I can't put a value. How much is that worth? Most of us, we'd empty our bank accounts for, for some of the things I mentioned. I mean, how, how the Bible says, you know, you can have all the money, you can have a ton of money, but, you know, you having strife at your table uh, is not worth it. You'd rather just have vegetables than have all the food and have strife. And it's not a... It, it, it's not... We're not saying we're paying God for anything. We're saying to be able to hear the Word of God and have a congregation where we come together and having the standard of the Word of God held up and having people and the ability to have an organization that is focused on bringing God's work forward on the earth. There is no price on that. And, and to have the Word of God being taught we have people in this, in this congregation that if it weren't for the Word of God, their loved ones could have been dead. How much money is that worth? We don't talk about money. It's an insult to talk about money. But see, the Word of God, the, 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 um, excuse me, the Word will say there is no value in church. It's a social club. Oh, no, it is the body of the living God on the earth. And there is no more important thing on the wor in, in the world than to bring His things to bear in the earth and be a strong, mighty, moving force for Him to have a strong local body where we have those that preach and teach the Word, where we can come together with like believe, believers of like precious faith, that we can be strong in His Word and in His truth. So when the pressures of life come in, we have what we need to stand and go forward. And then to take ground for people to be blessed 
and come to know Christ and to have their lives transformed by the power of the living God and the Word in their lives and to have people influence and have a place where we can come and meet. Well, it takes finances to do what we're just doing right here. This isn't free, right? What, how precious is it to hear the Word of God right now? What, what, is, what is the price? Well, that, that's what that come. We put our, we bring what God said to bring so we can have everything we need. You don't put the emphasis on that, but hey, it just takes money to live in this world and we don't want God's things to go without in anything. We want to have everything we need so that when people come in, they have a warm seat. They, we can share the gospel with them, that we have the equipment we need to get things out, that we can do what God called us to do in abundance, strong, not like, well, we'd like to do that, but no. That we trust Him to, to provide the resources that we need as we do what He said. And it goes back, part of this is just, why, why would we tithe? All these reasons that it's been, in, it's been in the earth longer than anybody in this room has been alive. It is the Word of God. Number five, so that's number four we should give because we want to see people blessed. Number five, all the way down on the list, we should give in expectancy, believing God to honor the promises in His Word to bless and to prosper us. We should give an expectancy. We should believe what He said. But we, that is not the primary motivation. We're giving for these reasons. And then we do expect Him to keep His Word and to walk in abundance as we're hooked up with what He is doing on the earth. I don't know about you, but that's exciting. We're doing what He's called us to do. When we get to heaven, man, we're going to look back on so many, anything that wasn't of Him, we're going to be like, yeah, that was a waste. I mean, no condemnation, but any part that we're like, why did I spend that two hours on that? Why did I do that? Oh, man. And we're going to see very clearly the kingdom of God and what the, the preciousness. What's precious on earth? People. Oh, that went to help that person. That person was headed to hell, but their lives were changed. And they, they heard the truth. And in this situation down here, it was averted. And all oh, that family is doing well today because of what the Word sowed into their life. Oh, that's precious. We'll rejoice for eternity. And those people will come up and thank you. They'll say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. We've got more. We're going to, I believe, we'll hook up. There's some other things we'll cover some, of, uh, some other aspects of this, but uh, that's enough for today. But God is so faithful and He's good, and His Word's just, it's true. And if we see it in His Word, then we want to be doing what He said in this area as well as any others. Amen?